Howdy and welcome to Do You Know The Way. I am your host, Zachary Todd, joined here with... Jonathan Glass. Michael Singley. And special guest... Carl Erickson from the Galveston Newman Center. All right, and so today we're going to have a fun, lighthearted conversation about uh, baptism and the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, uh, let's get this started off with the different beliefs of uh, baptism, uh, starting with... I don't know whoever wants to start first because we do have three different denominations, you know, here, so we can take the different spins on it. Yeah. I feel like we can all agree that, like, to start with the first, like, when we learn about it in the Bible, which on the Baptist, baptizing people in the Jordan, and then Jesus comes and gets baptized. God says, it's my only begotten son with whom I'm well pleased. And I feel like from there we started the tradition of baptism. Yeah. Um, Yes, there's a little, little bit more to that. There's a little bit more to that. Um, uh, Jesus, uh, there's a, Jesus uh, not only is setting the example, but when he goes into the, the River Jordan, he's, he basically is blessing all the water so the, blessing the water so all can be baptized and they're reborn into him. So he is baptizing. Uh, uh, with water here, he's going to be baptized, but it's not so much that Jesus needs it, but that we need it, and that that waters now are made for us, so we must follow that example, so we can be um, die with Jesus and be reborn with him in baptism, and that will remove our original sin. If one is being baptized at the first time in his life, all sins, if he's an adult, would be forgiven. Uh, that would be you know, the waters that Jesus has prepared for us. And that's why we bless the waters. We have holy water. Um, those go out to other people. Now we're just, I'm talking about holy water. Now that's not the, <laughs> that's not the issue. But baptism is very, very important for the yeah. beginning of the Christian life. That's yeah. very oh, true. Yeah. And you, you cannot go on with the further, what we call in the Catholic Church, sacraments, unless you have baptism. Mm-hmm. We have seven sacraments. That is uh, the, uh, one of the three initial sacraments you must receive. You must be baptized first to go on with the Christian life. And I think that a uh, specific thing that we could probably talk about, as long as you're baptized in any Christian belief that says you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the baptism is still considered so, legitimate. As long as you're yeah. basically baptized in the Trinitarian baptism, which yeah. uh, I know Presbyterians do, and, you know, I now know Catholics do it. Uh, Southern Baptists, we also do it. Southern Baptists also do it. So it's a pretty universal uh, method of baptism uh, in the Trinitarian because, I mean, the Trinity is... It's the foundation in, for all Christian beliefs. Yeah, exactly, no matter what denomination you fall under mm-hmm. because, you know, it's three in one, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You You cannot have... You know, just one. You Mm -hmm. cannot have just two. You have to have all three. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody asked me once, what if somebody is not baptized and they died and they were hoping and planning on being baptized? Um, We teach that there is the um, baptism of desire. But, um, and that God will take the desire. So, um, however, you know, it's still, you know, we still must be baptized to go mm-hmm. on with the Christian life. Uh, so that's that's a, an important thing. One thing about the Trinitarian baptism is there's been a lot of misnomers um, over the years. 
even in the Catholic Church, there's it's all around that somehow you can baptize and um, change the names of the the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, wasn't there the priest that uh, they had to redo all of his baptisms for like the past 15 years because he wasn't doing it correctly? That was up in, um, in somewhere in Massachusetts. And he, a little on the wayward side, I guess you can say, and prayers go out to him, may God have mercy on him. But he baptized in the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Steamer. And Steamer. Steamer. That's very interesting to me because... That's a heresy. Yeah, it's not the Trinity. Well, that's been going on in some of the more... Um, liberal denominations, and um, so that does not count for a Trinitarian baptism. We ran across a, a thing recently in the Catholic Church, and just one priest in the United States that did something similar, and he baptized. We believe we we baptize. Yeah, you. we baptize not I. I not I. That makes it an invalid baptism. Because the priest... Sounds like communism to me. <laughs> yeah. We the church. We be, it's our don't baptism. Worry, not, yeah, we not baptize your baptism. Um, he has to go back, and his part of his penance is he's got to teach now what a valid baptism is. So, uh, mm, so that's a tough so punishment. We heard a lot about the Catholicism and what we believe with baptism. How about we go to Presbyterian? Well, well okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, it. it I, I feel like baptism in and of itself... You know, it's very much similar, like almost exactly the same, you know, between uh, Catholics and Presbyterians. Yeah. Um, we do not, I, I don't exactly know the ins and outs of baptism, like whether uh, you can live a Christian life without baptism or not. I do believe that it is vital to living a Christian life. It's very vital. It, it like it is the most important. Uh, well, not the most important, but it is a very, very important aspect of it. And I mean, again, you know, if, if you're living a Christian life and have not been baptized, in, in my opinion, it is definitely fallacy. It's invalid. It's yeah. you know, you're living a false life because, and it's it's not that you know you don't believe. It's that. Well, the main thing would be a recall into your profession of faith. Yeah, yeah. I mean that—that's what really a baptism is. Like, I feel like there is still a very key difference between uh, Presbyterian Baptists and Catholicism with baptism, because in Catholics, um, babies get baptized at a very young age. Yeah, like, I, th- I think around like the age of like, two or something like that. I mean, no. well, it's with, they're pretty much newborns. With Presbyterians, Baptists, you know, there are some within those communities that do think that infant uh, baptisms are definitely, like, you have to do it. But there are also, you know, those in the community that believe that it is, you know, basically the is whenever the child is of age to understand it Mm -hmm. and when they make the decision themselves to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior... Do y'all uh, have something like, called confirmation in y'all's? So for, I know for Baptists, we don't baptize infants because we believe that infants, because they do not know right from wrong, they do not essentially have the ability to sin. It's when they begin learning right from wrong that they begin learning from sin. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially the whole thing of how Adam 
And Eve, you know, they had no knowledge of good and evil, so they had no knowledge of right and wrong. And then when they ate of the tree, they had knowledge of right and wrong. And they realized what they did was wrong because they disobeyed if their own free will. And so we don't baptize infants for that reason. But for us, baptism is so you would go to, you know, uh, one of the ministers of the church and you would say, hey, I have you know, decided to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so they would go through with you a process of, you know, making sure that, you know, you know, you have actually had, you know, accepted Christ, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's not like a ritual or anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just more of, it's do just, you believe this? Do you believe this? And do you believe this? Yeah, like, do you understand like, what you believe as well? Yeah. Uh, it, the, again, Presbyterians did a very similar thing. I don't entirely remember what all I was asked because I was six years old. <laughs> and, you know, sounds like it's been a long time. Well, but, let, 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 can I explain a Catholic view? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, um... So then Baptists will see baptisms as like the public profession. So when you are baptized, you're telling the church, you know, you're telling your families, you're telling everybody saying, hey, I have accepted Christ. I am now a Christian and I, you know, will do my best to live the Christian way, you know. And so with that, you have essentially taken the first step into becoming a Christian. Mm -hmm. So similar to how like, so with y'all's confirmation, Mm -hmm. you have, you know, Basically saying that it's now of your free will that you choose to live yeah. the Christian way. Mm. Um, actually, uh, that's not so much the case, but I'll, uh, you can go ahead. Go ahead and explain what you think, uh, your perception of what we do. Cause I'll, and so for us, it's, that's a similarity is that, you know, with, from my perception of the confirmation mm. versus, you know, the Baptist uh, perception of baptism in and of itself. Mm. So... Essentially, for us, that is what baptism is, is that it's public profession. Mm-hmm. You've accepted Christ, you've told the church, and the church now decides to proclaim you as, you know, a Christian under the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And little known fact, I had the honor of having my father baptize me okay. as he was an ordained minister. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, well, good cool. for him. Um, let me clarify one thing. Uh, when infant baptisms, a baby could die you know, before even the age of consent. So we agree in removing the original sin. So um, uh, it takes a con- We have two witnesses, which we call godparents. And those godparents are, help in, are supposed to help and pray for their godchild. My, when, my aunt and uncle. Yeah. So when it comes to, to growing into faith, which hopefully the parents are helping out, and this is a problem right now, in the United States, where no matter what Christian denomination, they're not coaching them along as they're growing. They, so, but I want to clarify something. Confirmation isn't so much a baptist, I mean, our acceptance or a sacrament of maturity or coming to know. You should know Jesus by now because you were baptized and been formed and had some great amount of education. You're you're coming to the realization that you're uh, that you're, there's baptism graces are not completed just because one is baptized they get graces but it's not completed when jesus went into the waters he was baptized but what came after that the holy spirit, the holy spirit so that's a sign of confirmation that's one of our okay. signs and then the other one would be the pentecost yeah. so um, actually the catholics in the east do 
focus on uh, the baptism and the Holy Spirit and and confirmation, we focus more on the Pentecost. I actually like teaching from the ba the Jordan River experience. So the Holy Spirit comes down and anoints Jesus. We too need to be anointed. Then we're sealed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit to go out. That really depends on the age of the child. The Catholics in the East do it at baptism. They do the whole thing, okay. and say, and so, um, but you do the edu formation education afterwards. Okay. The other thing is the confirmation. For us, it depends on each bishop. When do you want it? Now, there's a bishop in Colorado who wants it done before First Holy Communion at age five or six. Um, it depends on where you're at. Some do it in high school. I actually don't think that's a good idea. I did mine in high school. Uh, the thing is, when you're in high school. You're not as interested in you. You want to do other things. Yeah, and there's so there's a lot of people there just trying to get that checkbox. Like, okay, guess I'm a Catholic because mom and dad said I had to do this. So you you, you want you want to be you want to be sealed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and complete your baptismal graces mm -hmm. and seal them. And I mean that. Uh, I mean going back on the point of you know. Well, Michael said with, oh, I'm a Catholic now, you know, be check my fill it, like fill check, it, check the box. box. Yeah. It's that, that's one of the more common things I'm seeing with people. It's like, okay, I'm now a Christian. I'm going to live the life that I want to. Yeah. And they think that it'll be all okay because it'll be God's all okay gonna... just because they believe when in reality, you know, it, you don't need to do works in order to be saved in order to get to heaven, but you need to do works because you have faith, because you love the Lord, you know, with all your heart, mind, soul, you know. You, that's called justification. And the, you know, the Bible you, even says faith without works is dead. Well, that's one, but, but now remember what, um, um, uh, that comes from James. Um, now, the thing is, uh, we see them as equal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to be, so it's faith plus good works. And um, mm -hmm. so uh, there are two pillars, but uh, I'll, I'll come back to it. If you want to that, talk about justification, we'll that do kind of yeah. gets into Calvinism and Arminianism. Like but it, it's just it's just an interesting concept because it's like you see it more and more and more nowadays, where people are like, "Okay, I was baptized in the Christian faith. I was, you know, yada yada yada, mm -hmm. and now I can just live the life that I want to, mm -hmm. filled with sin, filled with." You know, whatever, All and I will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the case. Mom and Dad said I had to come sit in Sunday school till I get the oil on my head, and then I'm done. I can leave and not show oh. up anymore. Oh, that, that was a lot of pe that was a lot of people. Well, yeah, it, it's a lot of people, and I've seen I, it firsthand, and it's, it's one very, of those things where it's very like, sad. It's like there's people believe that oh, because I am Christian, you know, I can repent any time. It's mm -hmm. like well, no, the Bible even says that if you keep going back to the sins without any form of, you know, regret or repentance, mm. you end up, you know, having, to, you end up turning away from God than turn, and mm -hmm. trying to stay towards God. Mm -hmm. and it's actually something interesting you said, uh, I can sin because I know I can be repented. That's also a sin. I forget mm -hmm. what you call, I forget the name of it. You told me about it though, Carl. Pre predestined, uh, pre predetermined sense. No, uh, I know what word you're thinking of. That's a, uh, uh, presumption. That's right. That's terrible, and it's a terrible sin. 
just because I'll confess it and then I'll go on and mm-hmm. do the same thing. That doesn't work that way. And that doesn't work that way in the cat. I, I, I have to tell you, as a witness statement, I, I went into confessional once many years ago. And I'm not going to get into what sin I confessed, but I said, well, I did it and I know it's coming here. And the priest let me have it. <laughs> and he says, you treat the sacrament like this. Mm-hmm. You trash it up with that. He says, how dare you use the sin of presumption? Oh, yeah. And so um, and yeah, that, was, that was my most embarrassing confession. <laughs> and um, uh, Well, you learned from it. That's the point, right? Yeah, I learned from it. You did it. learn from it. Uh, so uh, the thing is, Funny thing is, I was already at Franciscan University of Steubenville looking for a master's <gasps> in theology. Oh my. Shame, Carl. <laughs> we are all we're all sinners. Yes, we are. Um, no one's yeah. perfect. Uh, no. Many of us like to think we are. But the the things that true. I think that what we're saying here, um, uh, Pope Benedict tried to reconcile this uh, reconcile this point. Um, faith plus good works, but he said, you know, maybe we should describe it because we believe there's both that you have that justifies you, um, and um, and you just can't have faith and not do, go out and not do anything, just leave the people the way right. they are. And um, he says, faith working through charity is maybe a better way to describe that. And yeah, I've would- I've heard that actually uh, before, and you know, I've found it not only interesting, but also so, so true because, you know, I, I, again, like good works, you know, good deeds, you know, whatever, you know, charity, it, it's very important because it, it's just, it's one thing to have faith. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to, you know, follow through with that faith and show it, live mm-hmm. it every day because mm-hmm. the the best way mm. to bring people to Christ is to be an example mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Show them, hey, this is a Christian life. You see, I mean, mm-hmm. it may be filled with pain. It may be filled with, you know, this, this, and this. But also, there is joy in mm-hmm. the suffering. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. We, we turn, we use suffering because Jesus suffered for us. We turn it into a positive because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. that, that's not something God wants. No. But if you want to flip the devil on his head, well, we, you we, rejoice we in your sufferings. In, yeah. Actually, just discussed this at my own church today. Um, we discussed about, like, you know, having, you know, Joseph, you know, his brothers were so, sold him into slavery, you know. Oh, that uh, Joseph. Uh, the Pharaoh's, wa- or Pharaoh's, is it the Pharaoh's wife? Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's wife took him in as a slave. And then, yeah, and then she tried to sleep with him, and he refused. Mm-hmm. got thrown in jail, mm-hmm. only for him to come out and then be second in command of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So he went from a lowly place to a high place through suffering. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing was with Job. Everything was stripped away. Mm-hmm. He didn't curse God. He called out, cried out, and asked God why. Mm-hmm. And then God gave him everything back but better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we see those stories as like, this is why we suffer. This is why God mm-hmm. tests us is because mm-hmm. if you truly are faithful, you will know that when you come out of the suffering, mm-hmm. one, you will be better than what God has, mm-hmm. you know, had you before. And two, God will essentially repay you for your mm-hmm. tests. Mm-hmm. 
You know, one thing that I would like to point out is it does say in Scripture we, we can make up for what's lacking in the body of Christ. What he means by that is the church, body of Christ, the church. There's three bodies of Christ. Um, but he means the church. So when you have suffering, you can join your suffering with that that's on the cross and offered up as a prayer. You know how much you turn the devil on his head when you do something like that? He and, hates and, it. And so um, uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you, suffering is part of a result of sin. And we're going to have to, we just can't escape it. My mom died of multiple, she took her multiple sclerosis all the way to the end. My dad died of heart problems. They were both dysfunctional. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. So, But there was so much suffering. After a while, you wonder, there's some saints in the Catholic churches that, you know, when they look at their, they've suffered much. And the question isn't why. Why not? You know, no, why not me? I don't, I'll take it and I'll... I'll, I'll help to build the church. It's, it's better I mean, for someone like us to or not. I shouldn't say it like that. And, but it, and the suffering takes many. You know, it can be, you know, different ways. I mean, we when one thinks of suffering, they think of the extremes of they were persecuted. I mean, Paul. You know, early Christians were, you know, stoned. They were thrown into, you know, the Colosseum to fight lions. Mm. Uh, from Emperor Nero. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just, you know, we, we tend to think of these extremes, mm -hmm. but there's also other forms of suffering mm -hmm. within that. In case you didn't know, and I'll bring this up, we need, for we have Lent starting tomorrow. It's a beautiful repental season for us all. And the people that are going to be suffering a lot are Ukrainians. Oh, yeah. And one of the things about the Ukrainians is they're deeply, deeply Christian. One, the East is more Orthodox. The West is more Catholic. But one thing that they're going to have to share together is their Lent, which is going to be a very tough Lent. So... Um, Y'all do Lent? So for most Protestants, it's optional. It is in, in some place, some churches it's encouraged. Mm -hmm. I know for some of the Baptists, it's n never really mentioned, mm -hmm. but some people do it because they want to essentially, like some people do it for their alcohol addictions or certain addictions that they essentially, mm -hmm. that need they need to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And so some people do it for that. And then, you know, other people just do it because they want to see like, you know, what is Lent like, essentially? Mm -hmm. But and I, I've never really heard of my church ever saying like, okay, "Oh yeah, know, you need to do Lent." Like, I know with Presbyterians, uh, it is brought up in my church, you know, but it's more of an optional thing. You know, they explain to us, and then you know, if anyone does want to go through, you know, Lent, it's like, okay, uh, now, you know, I'm gonna. Like if if one doesn't exactly know what Lent is, what they're basically getting in, you know, what it also symbolizes, you know, they're like, hey, you know, if you have any questions about Lent, mm. come to us. We will mm. explain. We will help you to understand it. And I mean, I personally uh, have not done or partaken in Lent. It's uh, a good experience to. But I will. Days like I've been. You know, 
what, what intrigued. I, it really helps you like clear your mind off mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. because when you're going through Lent, you give up something. It doesn't have to be one thing. It can be multiple things. I know I'm personally going to attempt to, or I will give up cussing for these next 40 days. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. I, I need <laughs> so a lot. Now you here. said that. <laughs> but um, it's a good, it's a good time to let, you know, you give up something for God, you give it up to him. And then mm-hmm. we talk about suffering. Um, a lot of people will be suffering to try and, you know, complete the, these uh, things that they give up. Mm-hmm. And then on Fridays, we can't eat meat. And Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, we have to fast, which yeah. means one mm-hmm. decent meal and other no, no, no food. You can do more than that if you want to yeah. in Lent. But we, we that, that was sort of two fasting days in Lent, but abstinence, which can take the form of fasting. Now, I, I haven't done uh, or partaken in Lent, but I have partaken in fasting, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it it's hard. I will say it's hard, but it is beautiful. It is wonderful. Those cookies tomorrow are going to look so good. <laughs> well, let me I say, got some Zach's room. Like, Zach's like agreement, no more chem homework for the next. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, something hard. We're Anthrop- hard. We want to do oh, right, right, right. Anthropology homework. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know some um, uh, Aggies up in the college station, they are actually, they'll take cold showers. They deny themselves. They will fast uh, and hard, uh, uh, whatever. It could be bread and water. They're younger. Of course, they can take that. That I sounds can, like a Louis de Montfort's. Uh, oh, Louis de Montfort. Well, yeah, that's a saint in the Catholic Church, one of my favorites. But um, the the thing is, uh, they go. There's some hardcore Catholics out there, or Christ, we're Christians too. Uh, but they, you Lent is a beautiful time. But what the idea is to get your minds off the world, yeah. And focus on God. Look at your. We're drawn to this, that computer over there. I mean, the cell phones. Um, what we've lost a sense. We're being. Pope Benedict warned us a new slavery is coming about. It, it's becoming we are so reliant on technology no, no, that actually. we can't, you know, function without it, which, you know, there there are some beauties in mm. the technology that we do have, mm. but there are also so many bad, you know, evil mm. things that can happen through that. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I do know someone who for Lint, you know, gave up, their phone for the entirety of Lent. Mm -hmm. And they struggled. You know, they would, I mean, they would, you know, try to be like, oh, hey, what you doing over there? Mm -hmm. What you looking at? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was really hard for them, but they did it. And And then on Sundays, you're like, on the phone. (laughs) Because on Sundays, uh, it's a, we're supposed to relax. So at least in the Catholic um, doctrine, we're allowed to. We're allowed to relax on Sundays. So on Sundays, I'll be a, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, 40 days Forty days includes the four days now and, and to Saturday. And then the six weeks times 30, you know, that makes 36 plus those four days. If you're working hard enough and you are denying enough and you are doing a little bit of mortification, then you take a rest on Sunday like the Lord has said. Right. And and so plus we, we have our mass. We don't, we're not supposed a lot of uh, you know, ill-informed Catholics think that's cheat days. I go, no, they're not cheat days. That's demeaning Sunday. <laughs> so you gotta, you got to rest on Sunday. I mean, yeah, the Sabbath was set aside as a mm-hmm. day of rest because the Lord took the Sabbath as a day of rest uh, mm-hmm. during creation. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you mentioned Lent. Um, one of the things that Pope Benedict said uh, that we have to be aware of, and that this comes, should come up in Lent, is the, the future slavery of technocracy, which means we are really becoming so enslaved to that, that that's you know, our computers, our technology, that we have forgotten God. Yeah, and yeah. it's a slavery. We're becoming enslaved to things, and that that solves our problems. Um, we to go a hundred years ago, people, community was everything. We're becoming isolated. Got to get that relationship back with Christ. Mm-hmm. We do, mm-hmm. and you know, it's. I mean, it's it's not just you know slavery to, you know, the technology that we have, but it's also. You know, there's there are other things in this world that are, you know, making people fall away from God, you know, fall apart. And, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, people that I have actually talked to that they don't understand, like, they're like, oh, you know, I was taught that if you are a Christian, you have to suffer and they see the suffering. You know, th- this is what I was talking about earlier with the extreme examples. They're like okay, so I must go out to, like, in middle of nowhere and basically put my life on the line in order to... Be like Mother Teresa. Yeah, basically be like Mother Teresa. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen this movie, but it's called End of the Spear. Basically, so this uh, minister, this missionary, he goes to Central America to bring the gospel to a tribe. And he ends up, you know, getting killed that tribe ends up, you know, converting to Christianity later on. But, you know, they saw this, uh, or, but basically he brought his entire family and he and the other two, uh, the other missionary that he was with, uh, basically paid the ultimate price to bring the gospel to a tribe that mm-hmm. otherwise would not have heard the gospel. Yeah. And so they think, uh, you know, they see examples like that and they're like, I have to, you know, in order to be a Christian, I have to do that. And yeah. it's, you know, that's one thing you can do, but it's not required that you no. go out and no. basically give up your life, you know, to, uh, like, in 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 that form of suffering. I mean, I mean you I, don't have to die. Like, yeah. you don't have to go to the Middle East and try to preach the gospel. Yeah, and I think you know, that... Uh, Really good example and a good segue, actually, for our show. Um, when you're saying that paying like the ultimate price and giving up everything for God would be Mary. She gave up everything for God. She, she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. She was asked she, the all important question: uh, Do you want like Jesus? Do you want to have my kid? And I wouldn't necessarily say that. It was more of like, hey, you have found right, you have found favor with God, and yeah, I God was, has chosen I was, you. I was simplifying it, yeah. but. Now that's that would be a little different for us. We go deeper. We would say that's much, much more deeper than that. She has found favor with God for a reason, because she has been graced with the fullness of grace. Mm-hmm. Back to Genesis three fifteen, she is the woman in Genesis three fifteen, where um, Eve has fallen. Now a new woman has to be raised. I'll put enmity between you and the woman between her seed and your seed, Satan. Therefore, Mary's seed would be Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there's a war going on between Mary 
Now, the, why is there a war going on between Mary and the devil? Well, well, we should say that the evil one. We don't. Uh, we sh I would preach tonight. We're not supposed to call him by his name, and because that gives him a he it's likes like Voldemort. That. Yeah. It gives he emboldens him. He likes that. It's like Voldemort. <laughs> um, Bolden. Um, Mary is, is um, full of grace. She has the fullness of grace. Mm -hmm. And the key word in that when Gabriel greets her is hail full of grace. He doesn't call her by her name, Mary. Doesn't he calls her by her essence. And the, the key keratomene is the Greek word for fullness of grace, and that's the original translation. I Gabriel said hail Mary full of grace. He Lord. didn't say Mary. Oh, that was uh, his, her cousin, right? Elizabeth, hail Mary full of grace. But, uh, hail full of grace. Uh, hail... Do not be afraid. Do not. Uh, no, no. Yeah. That's that's Gabriel. Yeah, that's Gabriel. Yeah. Hail. Uh, uh, do not be afraid. That's a topic for another time. Angels. This, oh, <laughs> angels are weird. Um, but anyway, she has a fullness of grace, and um, so therefore, there's only one way to have fullness of grace, and that she had original sin. She didn't have original sin. She did not have original sin that was removed for her. So it goes deeper than that, and yes, yeah, she's been. She, she had no sin all through her life. Yeah. But she did have free will, mm -hmm. and um, but once she said yes, you know the Holy Spirit overpowered her. It, it mm -hmm. became the rest is history. The rest is she <laughs> cannot <written>. she cannot <laughs> sin. She's not tempted. She's sealed in a way that you can't be sealed. Uh, she has overflowing graces. Mm -hmm. um, that's why so, she was assumed into heaven. That's why she full was body. Assumed. No, because she didn't. Uh, there's no body. There's uh, Mary's passing probably was unique, in the sense that Jesus probably didn't want her to suffer the sting of death as we do. So therefore, um, it probably was unique. She probably felt they, the tradition has it she fell asleep and went into heaven. That would make sense. And and then she's alive in heaven. Because mm -hmm. from what I remember, the only time the Bible recounts like people being like taken up from heaven without dying was, I believe it was either Elijah or Elisha. Mm -hmm. Same same thing, yeah. Uh, he was yeah, assumed in the fiery, yeah. he had the yeah. chariot. Yeah. That's the only other one that we know of. Um, but Mary um, had that, didn't have that. So anyway, it's being taken up to heaven, and uh, she's in heaven, and that's why we, uh, she consumes her role as queen of Israel, now queen of heaven. Um, because Bathsheba, the, who was the queen of Israel? Who was for each king? Who was the queen of Israel? Um, it wasn't Esther. One Esther of them. was Esther one of them. Esther, I think, was Babylon. Was married to the Babylonian king. Yeah, he's well, yeah, going back further. <laughs> yeah. who, let me let me explain this, and we'll find this in scripture. <laughs> oh, if you're talking about like David's queen, it is Bathsheba. After he killed Jonathan, yeah. are you saying yeah. the literal? Yeah, the, that, literal the literal queen is the mother of the king. Oh, so um, that's called the queen mother tradition. It wasn't the wife of the king, and that's in scripture. And what happens is um, when Elizabeth greets Mary, she says, "Hail, uh, you know, um, the the Lord is favor. You know, bless you. Blessed is the womb that you know, bears you." Well, what that means is, and blessed, what is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So what does that mean, the mother of my Lord? Well, what's Lord interchangeable with besides God? 
Jesus. King. So Mary, uh, uh, Elizabeth is greeting her as the new queen of Israel. And therefore, he says, well, what, what is the honor that she would come here? I'm not worthy, you know, of your, your presence. And that they're, they're related, but, but God chose you. God chose you. Because Mary, or sorry, Elizabeth was carrying uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, and that's why they're, they, and they probably grew up together. That's why they're such good friends yeah. in the Bible. Well, well, she was much older than Mary. Than uh, so, according to the Bible, Mary, so John the Baptist is Jesus's cousin mm-hmm. by blood. Mm-hmm. So, they're not necessarily friends. They're more sisters. No, I'm, um, I'm saying that Jesus and John grew up as friends. Like they, uh, like they were probably, yeah, yeah. It was more of like that, that's a theory, yes. Um, uh, that would explain why John knows about mm-hmm. Jesus being the one that comes. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't yeah. know that Jesus was the one. Well, but... he knew that through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, do they? Yeah, they. I'm sure they cross paths. Whether they grew up together or they just cross paths, Jewish families are very close. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But um, but it's seen in the gospel where. Uh, Jesus ran away back to the temple when they made their yeah. trip. Uh, so, um, but uh, anyway, uh, whether she is a Mary's sister, we don't know. Is the most I, I think is more like a uh, close relative or a friend, or yeah. not friend, close relative, very close relative. Yeah. So, um, uh, so that is where you know that's. Part of it, so we don't believe in Mary as a goddess. Mm-mm. She's an intercessor, and that's we use the Mary to ask her to pray for us to Jesus. Well, by, by the way, I'm taking up time here. I, I besides before I, if you want me to explain that point, I will. Um, but because um, uh, I, I could explain that easily. But did you want to say anything? No. I mean, no. I mean, again, you're on a roll. I would at least like, like to discuss. Yeah. No, yeah. for no somewhat debate top. Our topic of like how the Baptists view mm. Mary. So we don't view Mary as like the Holy Virgin Mary. Mm. We know she, mm. when she gave birth to Jesus, she was a, mer- a virgin, as according to the prophecy mm-hmm. that was laid out. We do believe that Mary is also a daughter of David mm-hmm. because both Joseph and them come from the house, mm. but they're distant <laughs> relatives, very, very, very distant. Yeah. So we believe that Mary is a daughter of David mm-hmm. because according to the uh, the Jewish culture that the line of Jewish of Jewish heritage is passed down through the mother. Mm-hmm. So, and then we also know that you know Joseph is the son of David. Mm-hmm. So, and because he called Jesus by name mm-hmm. and gave Jesus his name, he is therefore considered the uh, earthly father of Jesus by foster, culture. Call him the foster father. Yeah. So, we don't necessarily believe that. Uh, Michael and I talked about this, that Mary remained a virgin Mm -hmm. throughout her time on earth Mm -hmm. because Luke does mention Mm -hmm. that uh, Joseph didn't touch Mary till Mm -hmm. after she had Jesus. Um, Yeah, but we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and save it your point. Mm -hmm. And so even, I'm going to try and find it here real quick, but the book of Luke does mention that Jesus had uh, brothers Mm -hmm. who were Mm -hmm. blood relative or half brothers essentially. Mm -hmm. Well, go ahead. You can you can turn to that, but I know what you're going to say, and you know what the <laughs> Greek word is. You know what the Greek word for the that's spoken of in brothers. I actually do not know. 
It's called Adolphus. You know what Adolphus means? Isn't that uh, more spiritual brothers than anything? Um, it means cousin or friend of the family. So there is no word for blood brother. Uh, however, your point, the Adolphus does not mean that, uh, it means that those, it doesn't mean the same as blood brother. So let me put it that way. And it's, it's a spiritual brotherhood that is being established. However, let's go to the perpetual virginity for a second of Mary, because we believe that Mary is a perpetual virgin. Now, here is a key point to remember. This is the most attacked dogma, Marian dogma in the Catholic Church. Mary uh, is a virgin before and during after the birth of Jesus in this sense, uh, because in the, what we're talking about here is she's the first tabernacle. And so if I you... thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah and, and the thing is, um, Joseph... Now, it depends on whether Joseph is an old man or a young man. John Paul, Pope John Paul, now St. John Paul would say he was a young man, probably just a couple of years older than Mary, and probably was virginal too. But Mary, um, when she, she takes on this conception from the Holy Spirit, that womb is still sacred. So it's improbable that you wouldn't want to, to tamper with it. It doesn't mean that other children are a bad thing. But this family is going to be like the, the family that glorifies all family life. Therefore, she must, um, she must remain pure. Her womb must remain pure. That, therefore, um, Joseph becomes the guardian of that womb and of her, her, her virginity. Mary remains a virgin, and they, they're raised, they, they have a family. But the thing is that the, most, the other attack thing is, well, then if they didn't have the conception and he didn't have other children, then it's not a real marriage, according to Catholic tradition. Well, the thing is, the conception already happened. But who did she conceive with? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Therefore, whatever God brings together, this is a real marriage and, um, and is um, mandated by God. And therefore, they will live together as a family and, in a sense, glorify all human life through this one family. But he's there to protect her virginity afterwards. Now, in Scripture, how do you, where do we see this in Scripture? Well, Scripture may not be as that, like we make explicit about Mary's perpetual virginity, but it certainly is there because at the foot of the cross, who does Jesus give to, give, John. Uh, gives it to John, a non-blood relative? And that, that's, a, that's an indication that there are no blood relatives. There's no other siblings of Jesus. Yeah, because yeah. wouldn't you think Jesus would give Mary to his younger brother? It's a random person. Or not random person, but, you know, one of his closest friends. And secondly, if you go to Luke, um, that exchange there between Gabriel and, um, and Mary, how can this be I know not man? How can this be I know not man? Well, at the time that uh, Mary ran with a group called the Essenes, and you'll see them in scriptures, and they were very ascetic. They were preparing for the arrival of the Messiah. John the Baptist was part of this group. Um, Elizabeth was part of this group. Zachary was part of this group. 
Mary's family was part of this group. It's probably true that maybe even Joseph was part of this group. But what happens here is one of the things that uh, young ladies did at that time, and virginity was not considered a sacred thing. Sacred thing. That, I mean, that didn't matter to that society at well, that time. Well, because you saw Mary Magdalene. Yeah, you know. and it just it wasn't a big thing. I mean, big deal, you know. But they're making it a big deal now, and God is making it a big deal, and it should be a gift for everybody. What happens now is between Gabriel and and um, Gabriel and Mary, one of the things we learned is those scenes took, especially the young woman, took, took lifelong vows of virginity. So it's not on beyond that Mary may have taken that vow. But she goes, how can this be? I know Matt, not man. Um, but I'm going to be betrothed. So a lot, of, a lot of these women got married, but they didn't have that kind of marriage. So the, the, the husbands would guard their virginity, and they would live together but glorifying God. So they were preparing for the Messiah. So how can this be? How can I? I don't know, man. I, I promised myself not just, to, you know, here to, uh, uh, but to you and this, this, this lifelong path that I chose. And then she said, don't we need to worry, Mary. Uh, don't, do not fear. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and that will take care of that, and she can remain a virgin. So that's, that's where we get that. So, yeah. Yeah. so and, I finally found, after doing some Internet research and yeah. scrolling through the Bible, mm. so Mark 6.3 and Matthew 3.13.55. Mm. I'm going to read from Matthew because I'm already here mm. at... 1355, it says, let's see, where is it? You're right. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Mm -hmm. And that uses the word Adolphus. And, um, and that means cousin well, or friend, uh, spiritual brotherhood. They also, don't use, there is no word. There was no Hebrew word for that. And no Greek word that, that I mean that describe blood brother, so that what that means is uh, James the meaning brotherhood. Jewish families were very close, so they would it was not uncommon that you call yeah your, your cousin your, your brother yeah is your brother. Uh, but fact, it it is a it is something that is debated upon yeah. in both you know versus mm -hmm. the Catholics and the Protestants. And, and I guess you could also assume that people would assume that his disciples were his brothers because you know yeah. at this point he was doing ministry mm -hmm. and so he, he was always living with his I disciples mean, we do, simon and judas mm -hmm. and john yeah but they're where all does disciples. this joseph come from that might just be the, the person that well that of. that's a, just another that i mean he grew up with around a lot of people so jewish families are very close they're still in many senses close today yeah. catholics and jews put great emphasis on family family and it's a shame that divorce has entered this, this, um, you know, thanks, this, Anglicanism. <laughs> and, and no, 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 it wasn't the Anglicans. It was the, uh, um, it was because Church no, of England. Yeah, it was just Anglican. Oh, right, Anglicans. It was, it was, it was, it was the Church of England. However, the 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 thing that uh, there's a lot of factors that come into divorce. Uh, we can talk about that sometime. But we'll talk about divorce for hours. Right now, the world needs. Don't have time for that. One. Needs healing. But what the thing is, if you look at many Jewish marriage today, there's a lot of divorce. That was never meant to be. When God sat down and did the Deuteronomy Covenant, it wasn't because he was okaying divorce. Uh, he was actually uh, saying, you want it your way. You go live this way, 
you'll see how much more you'll need a Messiah. <laughs> and um, so he said, you want that? You go ahead. Um, and he gave them the rope to tie their yeah, own they and they, and they and they become worse and worse in the situation. That Divorce is not supposed to be. But um, going back to this, this, it's just spiritual brotherhood, and that's what Adolphus means is spiritual brotherhood. But I guess you can also say that most people will never know. I wouldn't. I don't know because that, the word Adolphus is pretty clear. Um, but you have also, you know, stated that there is no Greek word for meaning blood or blood, blood, blood or tube. So they, what they would, how they would describe that is. Um, so-and-so from the house of David, and these yeah. are his sons. Yeah. And then, but they never... They, they, they would called, go into the specifics. He is called like, the, the son of Joseph in, um, and Mary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was then, the same thing in Latin, where it's son, like... He's also sons of blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah like, basically, yeah. Uh, when, when you go down the lineage, you know, how they did it in those old times, like, saying, you know, who you are, who your family is, right now. they would be like, <laughs> it'd be like, you know... <laughs> Like some like insert name here, son of. Mm. I've know. sat through that Christmas mm. mass at least ten times, and this and this is Job, what, son what, of. You mean Matthew one? Yeah, Job, son of Nameth, son of. I, da, 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 da. I honestly think it's, if it's you are not way, if you're not Jewish, skip Matthew one because that is. But it's important it's meant for the Jewish audience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, right now. We're just coming out of, uh, it wasn't that long. We had a blip in our, in our own history in our church where some way where theologians came about and thought, tried to change everything. They say they even tried to mess up the, the, the order of the gospel, saying that Mark is first, Luke is second, Matthew is third. That's not Matthew, true. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, and it's, it, it, it is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew had the earliest, but the text was lost. It was I, Aramaic. But I also don't believe it matters how they're arranged. Because mm-hmm. as long as they are consistent in what they talk about, mm-hmm. that they belong in the canonical Bible. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. But the only thing it, what we have to remember is there's things with Matthew writing first. It's more of an establishment, the teachings. It's the way that they wrote. And, and yeah, he's for, how does he, Mark portrays Jesus as more of the superhuman. like a, um, um, Mark focused on the miracles. Matthew focused on the life of Jesus. John uh, focused on. Uh, John was the life of Jesus. Matthew on, was the prof- the prophecy fulfillment. Because yeah, Matthew right. was written to the but Jews. But also, John very much focused so much on Jesus' ministry uh, that aspect of his life. Well, this is this is what it is. And there's Luke that just sits everywhere. Uh, <laughs> this is how it is. Matthew portrays Jesus as the teacher. For us, this is what we do. Matthew, the teacher. Mark, this, he portrays him as more of a superhuman being. He focuses on his humanity. Mm-hmm. Luke, is um, he portrays him as more the healer and plus the historian part. John is the only one that's so different. He sees it more, he sees the divinity of Jesus. But uh, one of the things about John, I think he's probably very unique. In, I, I love the way John wrote the gospel. He got into this. Psychology of the head of uh, some of the sinners, and that, what they were feeling, the healing that they needed, and he really and he explained a lot. And that we should be relating to John in many senses in these times because how do you feel when your sin is committed? You know, you, you, if it's not forgiven, you get angry. You get 
you get you get mad and it festers inside of you. Oh, I gotta you wrapping up here? Or? No, no, you're good. I yeah. was, I was but you sure. you must you must come to Jesus for healing, mm-hmm. and so the theological. But there's also the psychological effect of, in John that I think we're finally realizing. But um, yeah, so that is that is where where we're at now. Uh, I think I, I explained the part of, was that. Yeah, you're perfect. Yeah. Now, but, but do, you, do you have another question, Amir? Do you think that we believe in Mary as more of a goddess? Or? So some Protestants do believe that from what I understand. Some Protestants do, but that's that just comes from a quite a bit of a okay. misunderstanding. <laughs> it's a misunderstanding. Uh, because, I mean, yes, yes, you can. Okay. We have President um, Witten Hardy as another special guest. Yep. Yeah, he I, just I, walked in. Yeah, sorry, I just wanted to uh, interject in this. Um yeah, so I will say that uh, Hispanic cultures, mm. I will say, do see uh, the Virgin Mary as more of a goddess, kind mm. of like a worship idol, I think. Or am I thinking that wrong? No, they don't. They respect they Mary no, a lot no. more. No. That's, is, it, is, it, is it just respect it's, thing? It's, it's very much respect. It's more like the Queen of Heaven can intercede for you because she, the Queen of Israel did. Um, mm. let, let me get back to... Because I mean, we have the... Um, it was the... I forget the guy's name, but he had Mary on like his chest. Mm-hmm. The famous, you had the picture in your office of the saint, uh, Saint Juan. Oh, that's the Tilma in Mexico. We we can talk about that some other time. But that Juan Diego Juan opened Diego. up his cloak, and yeah, there was yeah, that's a miraculous image in Guadalupe, Mexico, um, and that is a very powerful image. There's a lot of miracles have come from that healings and also some prophecies. That, um, but we could talk about that some other time. That's a little, it could sound, if I talk about that now, it's going to sound really wacky. Um, <laughs> but uh, let me tell you what, 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 uh, what, we, what we, we're looking here for. We have a heavenly intercessor. We also have saints that uh, we know that are in heaven. Those saints can intercede for us too. Um, it's certain people that God calls forward that we can name an altar after, our canonized saints. When it comes to Mary and saints, or let's just take Mary, for example, we don't worship her. There's two types of worship. One is called dulia, and one is called latria. This comes from Latin words. Mm-hmm. Dulia means veneration. We could, uh, let's just take something maybe in this office. Um, oh, your skateboard, I'll just say your... <laughs> Your skateboard. <laughs> Get called out there, buddy. Yeah, thanks, um, Carl. It's, it's <laughs> venerated in co- competitions, you know. Or you're, say you're an excellent skateboarder. Okay, I, I wish, you know, it's, what do you call hero worship? Hero worship. Yeah, like yeah. Tony yeah. Hawk and skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And Here. veneration, you can venerate objects, you can venerate people. Let's say um, uh, Mahanta Gandhi. You, 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 he's he's a very highly guy. respected. He's highly respected. And look at him, and you can venerate him in a sense. But um, he was a good. He gave you an example, right? And so Mary gives great, the best example. Mary oh, yeah. gets this term called hyper veneration or hyper dulia, but she has no godlike qualities in her. Mm-hmm. So, latria, meaning all adoration, all glory, all praise, belongs to God, God alone. And Mary he would tell you that. I'm not the focus. My son is. Mm-hmm. The Father in heaven is. The Holy Spirit is. One thing about Mary, too, you've got to realize, she is the daughter of the Father. She is 
the mother of the son. She is the spouse of the Holy Spirit. She teaches the Trinity the best just by being mm-hmm. her and giving birth to, to, to her son and also proclaiming God's uh, will. You don't have to preach the word or you can teach the word. Yes, I, I, I like the word teaching better, but if you really want to teach the gospel, do what mother, things like Mother Teresa did. Go out, feed the poor, clothe the naked. Um, that's his, I, t- I teach the gospel. I do it all the time. I says, but I don't use very many words. Yeah. So he says, that's the fascinating thing. You got to love. And, um, and that's, that's what, um, yeah. that's what, uh, what, uh, one of the aspects that we believe. Mary is not to be worshipped. That would be idol worshipping. When it comes to the Mexican culture, they, I have never come across a problem. They know the limits. Mm-hmm. And so one thing is, this is going to be a quick little thing, is that some people also believe that Catholics uh, do idol worship with the saints. No. And no, I know no. from, and I know like from talking... iconography is different. I know from talking with Michael and a couple other friends who are Catholic, mm-hmm. and they say, that's not true. You use, you know, the saints are essentially ways Messengers. of... Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd, sort of like Gabriel is with mm-hmm. the messenger from heaven. Yeah, we ask them to pray for us. us. Yeah. And they left an example behind, and they usually have a the patron of something. St. Francis is the, is the patron of the poor. Mother Teresa is the patroness of the poor. My favorite saint, even though I'm not Catholic, is Michael, because Michael is the yes. patron saint of the soldiers. Soldiers. Uh, and, and, well, he kicks butt. I mean, he does oh. kick a lot of butt. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's not word. Uh, um, but, um, You're good. But uh, let me say, uh, uh, well, I'm going to tell you something right now, and I'll give you guys some thought about this. That's the, the same thing, La, the Latria and Dulia. We venerate them. My, Mary gets hyper Dulia. She can do, she's very powerful in that sense. She can, inter, she intercedes you as a mother. To, that's the thing. She, she'll she, tell you, you're your mom. Oh, yeah. If, because who do you go to if you want to get anything done? Hmm. Mom. That's very true. Uh, uh, um, yeah, <laughs> Anyone's Jew, picking on you. Who do you me, go to? Let me tell you, a Jewish Dad. mother, um, a, a Jewish son will never refuse his mother's request. I don't think any son will refuse a mom's request. That, that's very true, though. Yeah, if you so, miss mom's no, no call, good son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, no you good see, son. You see, you missed your mom's call point one seconds ago. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Hinting at softball practice earlier. I, I, I want to leave you with um, with the uh, somebody that um, died in 2006, and it's a postmodern saint that you guys would like. And probably would love, and you don't have to be Catholic to to venerate him. You don't have to. You can admire what he did. He died at age fifteen and a half. Wow. And let me tell you the story of Carlo Acutis. And Carlo Acutis, his parents were not practicing Catholics or practicing Christians. Period. And um, he was born to them. They were only, you know, nominal Catholics. They weren't even going to church. The mother only been to church three times in her life, marriage and baptism and communion. Then all of a sudden, this little boy is born to them. Always know there's somebody that comes along. It's a rich family. I mean, he comes from rich parents. They hired a nanny. They hired a Polish nanny. Ah, and the little boy 
started growing. And the next thing you know, at age four, mom, mom, we got to go to church. Mom, mom, I want to be baptized. Mom, mom, I want this relationship with Jesus. Mom, mom, I spoke to Jesus today. You must get, you must go back to church. You know, mom, mom, let's go. So he was baptized and a little bit, uh, four or five. Then he made his first Holy Communion. Mom, mom, we got to know, we got to feed the poor. Mom, <laughs> mom, we got to do this. And, and then the parents came back. And then the son grew deeper into his faith. And when it came to stuff like this, com computer stuff, he became a geek into it. He was an athlete, too. Um, for, uh, for somebody that uh, was a geek and athlete, he, was, he, had, he attracted a lot of attention. He had charisma. He was a fairly decent-looking guy. And, um, and here he is. You know, he's, he's into his faith. And what happened is uh, he grew so much into it, he developed a website um, on, for computer. And it was a, it's a great website. He started at age 11, and he finished it at 15, age 15. And he created a website, what we call Eucharistic Miracles, because we believe that Eucharist is the really body and blood of Christ. And there are miracles with the Eucharist, a lot of healings, a lot of stuff that goes on. So he said, Mom, Dad, take me to all these places where, if you can, and if so, let's go everywhere in the world where there's a Eucharistic miracle. I want to get as much information so I could put it on the web. So he did all that, and he had, and then he started prophesying, and he says, "I'm going to die soon." And then, um, uh, and as he's he is, he did die soon. Um, he. He had an attack of acute, um, aggressive acute leukemia. He was gone within. I thought I, I just found out the other day it was not a week and a half that he was had left. He it was more like three or four days. Um, and it's extremely aggressive for cancer. And what happened is um, his mom says, "Carl, you're leaving me. You're my only boy." And he says, "Oh, mom, get ready. There's going to be others." And he said, what do you mean? I'm 40 years old. You know, my, we, you and your father live more like brothers and sisters now because we took more of a vow. There is a Josephite thing called the Josephite marriage where they decide to, they don't practice that anymore. But and she said, no, get ready. You're going to have more, more babies. So he died on October 15, 2006. Wrong. Four years. October 12, 2006. October 12th, okay. <laughs> but four years to that date age 44. Mom and dad had gotten, gotten back together for, uh, they laid their, their vow of um, uh, uh, what they call Josephite Meredith aside, and she decided, oh, I'll try. But age, you know, she got pregnant at age 43 and had the children at age 44. On the day he died. <laughs> so, um, and they don't, those, they're twins. And they don't look anything like him, and a boy and a girl. That's, a, that's very interesting. And unlike him, I don't know. She says they're so different. And she talks about them. 
I, I just keep wondering if she has, uh, if they're not like him, that she's got double trouble on her hands. But, <laughs> but that's a story. I mean, that's God that's working. Story. That's God working. Well, there's, that is. And I always love those stories because it's like you see stuff that, mm. you know, you will probably never see in your lifetime. And mm. you hear these stories and you're like, mm. this is proof mm. that, you know, God exists. Like, mm. I'm going to do one quick little story. So it's uh, this pastor was sent. You know, with his missionary team to Africa because he felt called there, mm-hmm. and he was supposed to be with you know getting with one of the tribes. Mm-hmm. However, the problem was is this tribe was a very war-based tribe, mm-hmm. so he, you know, would try and go there, and they would deny him entry into the mm-hmm. land, and they would say, and then they sent him something saying, you know, we will kill you on this day at this time, mm-hmm. and so. You know, all of them, you know, they have no way of getting out because they have to go all the way back to the nearest town, mm-hmm. and that's miles. So they start praying. Mm-hmm. They start praying. The night comes, and they're still praying and praying. Mm-hmm. They would, you know, then they, the morning comes. They get up, and they're like, we're still here. Mm-hmm. And then the tribe comes in bringing gifts, and they, and the pastor asks, why did you not kill us like you said you were? And he said, because there were so many armored beings mm. that sat around you, mm. bathed in white. Mm. And so... I've heard the story. We have stories like that, too. It's, and it's a really encouraging story to say, like, you know, God will always, you know, like, you know, mm. we believe the same... No, we believe that with Israel, you know, God still has the angel over Israel that mm. protects it from mm. harm. You know, you we have you know we believe that God could send angels to protect the people mm-hmm. of Ukraine. You know. Well, I, I actually well I'll get to that next. Uh, well, that's it's a good, that's a good story. Yeah. And, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's like, but it's all if we ask. You know, we have you know always have to pray, but we always have to understand that sometimes you know God's will does not, you know, go the way we want it to go. I think when you think about suffering and all that, sometimes. The best examples come out of suffering to f- fulfill God's will. It, sometimes it ends sad. Mm-hmm. Carlo did think it was sad. And by the way, he's being called patron saint of the Internet. He's not canonized a saint yet, huh. though. He's not. He's only blessed. Uh, they do have the, another miracle for him that proves that he's in heaven. But, you know, um, uh, but anyway, that going back, your story is very extraordinary. And I, I commend you for telling that, and I hope you tell that to other people. There are miracle, mir- miraculous stories all the mm-hmm. time. Now, I, I got this strange feeling. This is my, I've been thinking about this thing with the Ukraine, and I do, we, we should be praying very hard for them, that somehow this is, this is going to be, that Putin will pull out at some point. Hopefully. I just don't know. We when hope. now, if they he does conquer the country, it's going to be hard to control because those guys know how to. Europeans fight. are very nationalistic people, <laughs> um, and Ukrainians know how to fight the Russians, and they'll mm-hmm. go into the mountains and they'll mm-hmm. come back, and it's not going to be Putin's delight. I think what is, what what what's going on here is Putin sees this is the only way to keep Russia surviving, is because. We need the food. We need the resources. They've always, Russia's always attacked. This is the way Russia is. Yeah. And it's not the same communistic Russia. But he does want the, those countries back. He's not going to get them. 
Yeah. And he, but the best he can do is get to Ukraine, and I don't think it's going to work. And I, I really think don't. On that note, I think that's a pretty a probably good place to end this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Of, I mean, you know, th- uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you have any questions or, you know, even prayer requests out there, I mean, you know, I mean, well, you know, we do now have a new Instagram. We do have a account. new Instagram, so, you know. If you have any questions or any prayer requests, please reach out to us. And that Instagram is? <laughs> Pulls out the phone. Second. Give him a second to pull it. I will put it in the description. Mm. Sounds good. The Instagram will be in the description of this episode. But if mm. you guys do have any questions, comments, or concerns about uh, the Christian faith in general, shoot them over there. And, mm. and, you know, if you have any prayer requests or, you know, anything of need, Reach out to us. Yes, and to all our brothers and sisters listening, please mm. pray for what's mm. going on in Ukraine right yeah. now. Pray for everyone. Pray yeah. for Ukraine. So Pray I, for I, Ukraine and pray for all the militaries that are mm. not hoping that they have to get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yeah, that would be very good if you could. Um, and I'm thinking about um, some brother and sister Christians there mm-hmm. that we, we know that uh, I've been saying this at Mass every Sunday. It's a serious thing. It's it is. Serious. Uh, um, I mean, there's a cadet that, you know, got an MS or military seal of command billet for commercial uh, cruise. Mm-hmm. So it's just required for his license. And they've extended it by three months mm-hmm. simply because what's going on in Ukraine and the mm-hmm. fears of the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's um, one thing that is the sticking problems. The con- I will say this. Putin's having problems in the streets of his cities. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. St. Petersburg is not liking him uh, right uh, now. <laughs> and I think they, too, are tired of war. And, All but, of Europe is tired of war from the, pe- from uh, the 20th century. <laughs> except for Belarus. And oh, we yeah. have to be, they need a conversion. Yeah. I, they yeah. have a dictator running their country. But, so that, yeah, that, I mean, uh, that aside. On, yeah. Like, on this note, you know, thank you so much for listening. And thank Again. you, Carl, for... Mm-hmm. Yes, thank, thank you, you so Carl, much for so much in. for joining us and joining us this late at night. Oh yeah, in. well that's longer than expected, but <laughs> I, I wish you guys a blessed Lent. And um, if you want to help out uh, the Ukrainians, give up something for Lent, and say so yes. I'm going to give this up not just for my sins, but for the Ukrainian. Oh people. yes. All right. All right. Well, thanks and gig'em, gig'em. gig'em.